right, hello and welcome to the SUAS News Podcast Series where we uh, interview and talk with experts in the uh, unmanned aircraft systems technology world. I'm your or your host, Patrick Egan, and as always, we say hello to our uh, co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hey, Gene, how's it going? Hey, Patrick. Well, I'm just a little tired today, working real hard out here in the field and, you know, trying to get started in this new momentous era that we're about to enter. Hey, man, you know, um, that's good. Now, before we came on, uh, you were talking, you've been like uh, kicking back. Margaritaville over there, toes in the sand, <laughs> and, and the whole yeah. yard. <laughs> you know, so it's been great. No, uh, actually, yeah, there's a um, there is a missing child out here in uh, Northern California, and uh, you are um, involved in that search. Maybe you could tell us tell us in what capacity. Uh, I, you know. It's interesting. Yeah, I am involved, and in, you know, because of my uh, my reputation, I guess, precedes me. But uh, yeah, I was asked to be involved and help coordinate it. Uh, the the law enforcement people have done their due diligence. They searched for two days, and you know, as is kind of standard for their deal, if they can't come up with something good in two days with uh, knowing where the the child went in, they're going to pull off of it until they get credible information to continue and you know obviously the family is is upset and distraught and they they want to continue and uh, they're mustering groups of volunteers and folks who are willing to, to come out and give a hand and they've uh, they've asked myself and a, a couple other professionals gis professionals and stuff to to give them a hand and uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help set them up so they can at least be successful and legal and keep themselves safe. And uh, it's kind of interesting trying to coordinate this uh, from a distance, kind of a, a Zoom meeting search, if you will. And uh, I, I, I got to admit, it, it's a little bit of a challenge. But, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can. I, I was up really, really late last night because I'm, I'm out in the field today and uh, trying to to get them going and and get something working with them and you know maybe get uh, an hour or two of sleep in so you know if, if I start mumbling or you hear anything kind of you know untoward out of me it's because I'm sleep depth and you know I I forget where I am but uh, you know we're we're trying to do the trying to do the good thing out here yeah I, I, where I saw it uh, listed it was a uh, uh, lost at sea that kind uh, of rope wave yeah. Yeah, it was a rogue wave that uh, apparently you've had some pretty high surf out there. I, I've noticed that uh, uh, there's been several, you know, uh, an ex-surfer, if you will. I, you know, I kind of keep up with that stuff that's going on. And uh, y'all have had some pretty good surf out there. And, um, you know, Half Moon Bay is, is where it took place. And apparently a rogue wave, uh, they're estimating, could have been as much as 15 feet. Um, caught the caught the family unawares. Yeah, you got to be you know lots of energy in the ocean as we've learned from other uh, experts on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know you always have to be uh, careful. So interesting. Well, good luck with that. That must be uh, interesting <clears throat> from afar. I'm sure it's hard enough yeah, while you're is. there, but uh, you know being. Being uh, so far away and all the rest of that must be uh, tough. And then emotional and all the rest of that. But you're a seasoned uh, 
professional in that field. So that's uh, I guess that that all of that experience uh, helps you get through the hoops and hurdles. Good luck. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. So, you know, the other big uh, news stories, you know, still the RID thing uh, is going on. And, um, you know, there really people should I, – I think people need to reread the executive summary on that Fuster Cluck. Um, I, I, I reread through that, and I'm just – I'm amazed that that's what we got after all of the energy, talk, time, and 20-year and legacy of this, uh, it's it just beyond me. Um, also, the uh, the network thing got dropped so late in the game, second half of uh, November, for the network thing to get dropped. And so many people were riding on that one and invested so much money and time and uh, political capital in, in that, and it just all fell apart. And, uh, I, you know, still, you know, it's like you're going to need this uh, aircraft certification and then you're going to need the, uh, yep. you know, certified detection of flight system for beyond visual line of sight. Like I was saying, you know, uh, years ago before they shafted the hobbyist. And the hobbyist, you know, was a slow burn on the hobbyist uh, as, as far as that was all concerned for nothing. And uh, that's really too bad. The other one I did is, I, you know, I, I keep, while I'm doing research for stories that I never get to write because I, I stumble across all of this data and information and go, oh, yes, I forgot about that. So, you know, <laughs> remember, I mean, I, I uh, regale everyone with the story about the $1,000 Chinese UAV back in 2009. And it's funny, I found the uh, the, the PowerPoint presentation that I was doing in 2009 and the page is up there and it it, it asks a question what are you going to do about the thousand dollar chinese uav so we do have it locked in time it's been validated the other thing on that slide that's interesting is there's a map of the united states with a uh, plethora of uh drone hardware manufacturers here in the united states uh mainly it's companies with 20 or more employees did not even include mom and pop so, um, you know, all of these uh, hardware manufacturers, not all of them, but a lot of them uh, had a period, as you recall, as being a, a hardware or aircraft manufacturer. It was, it was hard to stay in business and not, let's say, have a, a legal customer base. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, it's a very fair assessment. Nobody is going to knowingly spend money to break the law. Well, <laughs> depend maybe not in uh, unmanned aircraft systems, but this law-breaking thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> the prisons are full of people that are, uh, you know, let's say I, I don't know. They're kind of, uh, you know, they're in. I want to industrious. Come up with new ways to make money. I don't know. Anyway, yes, it's very hard if you want to, you know, work with like law enforcement or government or whatever to. Um, have products that are not legal, but anyway. Um, and that kind of segues into today's guest, who said this is a, uh, a company, an American drone hardware and software manufacturer that's been around for a long time and still here. And we're going to bring on our guest. And uh, Orest, I know you're there. I'm not going to. Could you, could you please, how do you properly say your last name? Yeah, um, 
it's Orist Pill Scams, and uh, it's a Latvian name. But, um, yeah, I uh, grew up in Montana, and that's where we're based right now. Well, you, you're the CEO of the Skyfish. And Skyfish, we've we've done stuff with you guys in the past. You've been at the uh, small UAS uh, or small unmanned systems business expo multiple times. We've we've had presentations. I know you guys have been kind of working on this thing, and um, you know, you've, as I said, this is a, a domestic drone company. So. For the benefit of the audience, could you give us a little bio on yourself how and how you got into the small unmanned aircraft systems ecosystem? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I grew up in uh, Missoula, Montana, went to school in Montana in physics and math, and then uh, went off to work for Lockheed Martin Astronautics in Denver, uh, then went back to school again, got my Ph.D. in computer science at WSU, and uh, it's Washington State University, and then was a professor there for you know, many, many years, and uh, started a company with some of my grad students around mapping. And in 2014, uh, that's when we kind of moved it back towards, well, I shouldn't say back towards, we were, I was always interested in drones, but uh, um, met up with a, a friend of mine who had been in the hobby for a long time. And, uh, and, and a business partner, John Livingston, and we uh, created Skyfish in 2014. Uh, and you might go, well, what, uh, like you said, what, why did we enter the drone space? And, and uh, with the, you know, $1,000 um, you know, Chinese drone, how did, how did we take that on? And uh, I, think, I think the answer for that really is we had to have something different that people wanted to buy. And we started off as a software company, and that's my background is mostly software. And we wanted to take on a problem that really nobody else was uh, looking at, but also would pay for. And I think that part of the segment of the market is really engineering, engineering grade uh, data. And how do you collect that? Some of that can be collected with, with low-cost drones, but really if you want to get into the engineering space, there's a couple of things that are important. One is accuracy. You have to be highly accurate with the data you collect. And automation. A lot of these engineers want to know that they can collect the data in a repeatable way, and they don't need an expert in the drone market to collect that data. Right. So uh, that's the segment of the market that... Uh, you know, we, the first vertical uh, that we looked at is specifically the cell tower because it's hard to access. You need climbers. It's dangerous. And how do you, you know, collect data that you can turn into um, actionable engineering decisions? And that's that's what, we look, that's what we're focused on it really is that type of market, not just the cell tower market, but that's a really good example. Um, right. One other thing I mention is is end-to-end solution uh, from how you collect the data right to actually doing something with the data so we actually turn it into 3d models and these 3d models we actually wrote our own web portal to examine measure analyze and turn it into reports so uh, we're not just selling a drone or drone software we're sent we're selling a solution an end-to-end solution for you know engineering minded folks well, that's you know that, that's good. Um, covered a lot of real estate on that one, so let's let's kind of unpack some of this stuff because there was a lot there. Um, I get it, but you know, let's break it down. So you know, you've been around since uh, 2014. It was probably you had the same epiphany as the rest of us on this uh, program that you're like, 
drone, you know, problem set, camera. Hey, you know, there's a solution here. Um, when you started out with this, and, and I guess I, maybe it should be more of a question. So, you know, and you've been here long enough. Remember, everyone was, oh, we're gonna, you know, I'm going to be a drone mapper. I'm going to buy that, you know, the $1,000 Chinese drone, and I'm going to be a map maker, do surveys for people, and, uh, you know, some of the pitfalls and trials and tribulations with that. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's a, a place for the, the low-cost drone for certain tasks. Uh, you're certainly not going to, you know, as a American um, drone builder, designer and drone builder, uh, you're not going to be able to take on that segment of the market. But if you look at um, when you have to integrate various systems for measurement, like RTK systems, and uh, you know, go into the high-end area of the spectrum where accuracy down, you know, sub-centimeter accuracy is really important, that's, you know, that's the kind of space that where you need specialized equipment and you're talking about the camera equipment. Um, we've seen a huge, uh, you know, change in that since 2014. Uh, a lot of um, great hardware. Like we're a partner with Sony, and the Sony Alpha Seven IV, oh, yeah. I got it, is is an amazing piece of of hardware. When we used to do photogrammetry, even with the Alpha Seven uh, Two. Uh, with, you know, the drone shaking around, and we've solved a lot of problems with that, um, making sure we have a stable platform for photogrammetry, and we have a customized gimbal just for photogrammetry. But, you know, just changing from that hardware, the, and it's not really the megapixels. It's like just even the focus mechanism. Uh, let's say we shot 2,000 photos for a, for a tower, a photogrammetry um, mission, and, and got all the metadata um, with the uh, all, with all our specialized hardware, you'd still have 20 to 30 percent that were slightly blurry. Now you could still work with that, but it's kind of like, wow, why can't you know why why does this happen? And, and some of it's windy conditions or whatever. But you have to be able to produce in almost any kind of environment. And um, mm -hmm. with the new Alpha 74, it's just amazing the quality. Like we'll, we'll take a you know, several thousand photos and not see one blurry one just because of the uh, increase in quality from Sony. So um, that's, you know, that's part of it. I guess, you know, another um, aspect is uh, the payload, right? Uh, five pound payload. If you're working with a low cost drone, right, you're not going to be lugging around five pounds of payload for very long. And even if you use, uh, let's say the Matrice 600 type class, you're still not getting a huge amount of time. We've built the uh, RM4, which is our four rotor around that five pound payload. And we're getting, you know, uh, north of 30 minutes um, for per mission. And, and that's really important to a lot of people to be able to not just get the quality of the data, but actually, you know, uh, capture their data in a timely fashion without doing uh, 10, 10 battery changes. Anyway, I kind of was all over, uh, all over the place in that uh, answer, but... Um, no, it's okay because uh, basically, you know, you're telling us kind of the ethos behind the aircraft. And I was also um, kind of alluding to, I think, an oversimplification with uh, some of the cell phone apps and whatnot, and people thinking that they were going to become map makers and uh, uh, surveyors and all the rest of that stuff. And, and, and I, I think that really kind of drills down into, like, say, the regulatory grade data that I talk about all the time or 
or something that's like scientific and repeatable. And I'm not going to say that it may not be repeatable or whatever, but do you think that there was an over, let's say people were a little overzealous and thinking, Oh, I, I, now I could just run out and spend a thousand bucks and I can go make a map. And this map is going to uh, stand up in a court of law. Do you, do you remember that period of time in, in the drone ecosystem? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's, like I said, there's a lot of, of things that go on, and certainly software is a, is a big part of that. How do you control the drone, both the onboard uh, software as well as the ground control software to complete a mission? Um, you know, map making is one thing, and we specialize kind of in, in, in 3D models, which I think is another order of magnitude of difficulty. But to give you an idea, we actually were were involved in a, a legal suit where um, somebody fell off of a tower, and uh, there's all these insurance companies involved, and they wanted um, uh, somebody to come in and create a 3D model that was extremely accurate so they could evaluate. And it turns out four different parties ended up paying us uh, that we represented, and they were all on site to watch us collect the data and, then, you know, and looked at our process. And then at the end of it, they all signed off and said, this is going to be the, the model that we use in court is kind of the, uh, the core data that we're going to, you know, use for the, the legal arguments uh, in the case. So we actually have been a, uh, you know, kind of the, the company of record for, for legal cases. And uh, you're right, it's, it's, it's not an easy task to get that high quality data. No, and uh, you know, some it's the, the the whole cell tower tower thing is another kettle of fish. Um, I did uh, one for a company uh, not too long ago, and it was you know supposedly the and I do want to talk about this too. So supposedly you know the the software was all uh, autonomous, which I don't you know wound up crashing, so I don't know how autonomous it was. And uh, then we played the game that, you know, who got thrown under the bus, uh, you know, and I'm not going under the bus for uh, somebody else's software. You know, I was flying. I don't crash anyway. You know, I have one of the boarded takeoffs and unscheduled landings is all I'll uh, fess up to. But uh, in that case, it was not mine. But, you know, when, when you're doing that, and there's, uh, you know, this is another thing, too, as I always talk about that, and, and we're, we're big fans of this, is, like, you can speculate in the office, or you can be out in the field, and you're doing it in real-world conditions, and that's where the rubber meets the road, and you have, you know, issues like uh, weather and wind and altitude and temperature and all of these other factors that uh, affect or can affect the success uh, of gathering that regulatory-grade data. And, you know, I've tried it with cheaper stuff. So, you know, what, what's the difference? What, what makes your system uh, different? Uh, so, I mean, uh, a huge part of it, like you said, is the, uh, the automation part. Is it really automated? Can it understand its, its airspace around, in this case, let's say a tower, where the tower's at, any trees around it or anything else, wires. Um, we have a lot of different sensors to make sure that, you know, crashes don't happen. But beyond that, uh, the idea is that you want to collect data, right, that's regulatory, and that is highly dependent upon all the mathematical equations to do the photogrammetry. So it's kind of like a, a trade-off. You have to make sure you meet all the requirements of those mathematical uh, equations and still not run into, for example, um, 
you know, a tree that's uh, adjacent to the tower. But on top of that, it's even more, like you said, weather, but also these towers have huge radiation centers. You know, they're blasting mm-hmm. out radiation, microwave signals, and that can um, mess with the drone electronics, everything from the GPS to the radio. And so, I mean, towers are really uh, difficult um, problem to solve and you know we we solved it by having uh, a ton of different sensors onboard computing and then a lot of experience in that to to build the right autonomous software to actually navigate it so you're not going to buy you know buy your thousand or even ten thousand dollar you know uh chinese drone even with the right equipment and go out and solve that problem uh you have to go you know we spent years in the space making sure we have a uh, robust repeatable solution so well and that's that's the that is well, you know the square root of you know um this would would indemnify you against lawsuits or the regulatory grade data which you just told us is you know what you guys can do and with that you know i want to i i i'd like to i think I'd go a little deeper in that because you know you're saying so you have all these these different um folks involved with this lawsuit and you said they were out there they were viewing the process you're you're showing them how it's done how you're collecting the data and then i'm sure you know you're also uh you know an expert in, in what you're doing and all the rest of this and so when these people were out there in the field um viewing this had anyone else had anyone you know witnessed any other you know cell phone tower inspections or you know, modeling or, or, or was this their first crack so, at it? Well, or? Yeah, so the way, the way it typically works um, beyond this one um, legal case that we were involved in, um, we, uh, we have to prove to our customers, right, that when mm-hmm. we say a tower is, you know, 200.4 you know, feet tall or whatever, that it actually is, right? And so how do we do that? So... Typically, the customer um, might hide something in the model that they've measured. But a typical, you know, um, way of proving this is that you get a laser rangefinder, you you place it in the model, and you can see the readout of it, and uh, it's you know shining at on off of an antenna that's 175 feet in the air, and you know exactly that it's 175.4 feet up in the air. You can see the readout. And so when you create the 3D model um, and you look at that and you make that measurement from the face of the, the, the laser rangefinder up to the antenna, is it exactly what, it, what the readout is? And, and we're usually, you know, within, um, you know, we're, we're sub-centimeter over that distance. And that was, that's, that's a huge um, boost of confidence to the people using our system. It's, they, you know, they'll put it in 10 different random models and our uh, uh, scans and, and uh, the models turn out um, 10 for 10. That's, that's what we've had to do to, to prove that we're accurate within this particular um, market. So, yeah, there, there's ways of proving it. That's, that's one of them. All right. Well, and that's, you know, well, go ahead, Gene. Well, one of the things that, you know, I'm a man pilot. So uh, I understand about the data collection and, and being regulatory compliant with the data is one thing, but then how do you document the, the compliance part of it? Do you have any automation 
processes for the uh, uh, the flight operations and how you document it. Because I know, you know, I've got my aircraft logbooks, and they're fairly static. Uh, you know, they can sit in my airplane, and if the FAA wants to look at them, they can thumb through them, and I don't that, – that's really not a concern to me. In your particular case, I mean, you're called on to, to do, like, a lot of legal work and that sort of thing. Have you come up with any automated processes that will, will document how that's done so that not only can you – sort of certify the the data that is collected but you can certify the methodologies and the the, the processes that you use because you know they, they say no job is is finished until the paperwork is done and that's usually the hardest part to get done is that that compliance part of it to to give to the customer on the methodologies of the process so do you have any automated processes like that yeah, so um, when we, we've got this viewing system for customers where they can go and take a look at their models, but they can also see what the actual flight path was and um, where the data was collected, and you can just you essentially go. turn it on and you can go, okay, yeah, here's, here's you know, uh, we're using that highly accurate data, so we know where a drone is within, you know, a sub-centimeter, you know, around a centimeter, whatever it is, and... Uh, uh, we, you know, we know where the data was actually collected, what the exact angles were on the camera when the data was collected. All of that information is stored, and we actually make it available. The customer doesn't always look at it, but they know it's there, and uh, I, I guess that is helpful at times. We also have well, a replay. Most of the software that you have nowadays, you can take a look at your flight post-flight and take a look at any of the data that was uh, collected, plus all of the uh, telemetry so we uh we do we do track that and we make it an option some customers want it some customers don't where we we log all of that we actually use um aws uh all of our stuff stored in in the cloud and compared to the to the amount of data we collect the telemetry is rather small so we we always kind of keep it there um regardless so if anybody had to you know challenge our process we can prove it well, that's great, but uh, the the really pertinent question is: is can you take a selfie with this thing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, okay. So that's that's great. So you can track where you collected the data from, um, you know, whatever specific shot, whatever else. That's great. Okay. So now let me. Um, the the other thing that I always thought was kind of important, you know, and people are like, I think becoming aware of this and I'm sure that you're already keenly aware of this is you know there's there's tons of data there's you know a boatload of pictures and uh you know as, as somebody also Gene has, has probably squinted many a photo and uh, after oh, yeah. a while you know you're like ah you know uh I can't see this anymore so really what what needed to happen is, is yes you collect all this data the data is getting better the files are getting better but really what I need is is the software to analyze the the data spot anomalies uh you know and then give me recommendations or whatever else and basically I'm hoping out of the deal that what it does is um let's say alleviate the labor burden of, of, of people having to go in there and discover all of this and that the software is doing that for me. Are, are we getting there? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
for example, um, let's just take, uh, since we're talking about towers, a typical thing that, you know, they want to know about a tower is probably, um, for example, the antenna information. Um, where is the antenna exactly located? Its height is really important. And the down tilt, right, right. and roll and anything else. Because they want to know that they're getting coverage of a certain um, area, right, uh, on a map. And the down tilt and the height is very, very important to the vendors um, that are paying all this money to, to have their antennas on the tower. So we do that in an automated fashion. Um, I won't go into the uh, algorithms, but part of it is how we collect the data actually enables um, our algorithms to automatically you know, use machine learning to identify all of this information and generate the reports that are actionable. And then there's some thresholds, right? If it's, you know, greater, if the, if the down tilt is greater than, let's say, I don't know, 28 degrees or something like that, that's a red flag or, or uh, it, it doesn't have any down tilt at all, zero or something like that. But that's the type of thing that we can automatically generate reports on. There's other, you know, there's other, you know, you could go into the pictures itself and, you know, all of these IBM has stuff that can detect rust in the photos, but we're more about the structural analysis right now and uh, getting all that information. A, a big thing with the whole 5G push is, is rad center build out. They want to create new antenna build out all over the country and they want to see if there's space on towers um, and they're mm -hmm. going to want to put it in place and they want to see if that design uh, after they, they build it meets requirements, um, not just, but also regulatory requirements that it's not going to fall down. So uh, you can do all of that, identify what the, uh, the pieces are on the tower. We're getting, you know, it, it's not, um, you know, it, it, it won't do everything, but we're getting closer to complete automation on that end. Wow. And so now we know why I'm getting, uh, that Egan guy is getting crappy cell phone re reception. <laughs> you know, the down angle, damn it. No, uh, well, that's, I mean, that's what it's really all about. And I think you're getting into, um why people want to buy um, niche equipment. I mean, you know, there was oh, that, that pickup truck analogy. Oh, it's the pickup truck, and we can do everything with the pickup truck. Well, you know, can't do everything with the pickup truck, even though I love the pickup truck. Um, there are limitations. So that's uh, what this system can do. And I know, you know, we, we did talk a lot about towers, and, I, you know, with this 5G rollout and some of the things you're talking about, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think people understand, like, you know, the government regulatory burden there is is to uh, establish a new cell phone tower site. Um, I'm sure it's costly. I mean, I'm paying, uh, you know, a lot of money for my bill every month, and I'm sure there's a lot of that is, is contained therein. And so your customers are probably happy, hey, you know, we can make this determination. Do we need a new site? Do we need to do all the paperwork? Do we need to, or, you know, are we good to go? We just slap some more... Uh, antennas on this thing and we're good to go. I, I, that's uh, probably a pretty good business right now, right? With the yeah, 5G for machine. sure. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a ton of build out. That's, 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 um, you know, not just the cell, the cell towers and the rad centers, but they're putting antennas on everything is, you know, they're talking about putting them on lamp post, uh, uh, you know, lights, uh, traffic lights. They, they, you know, they do just want to get more coverage, um, shorter range, higher bandwidth, and, uh, yeah, but it, it also means build-out on towers as well. There, right now, there's probably, like, a couple 
hundred thousand towers in in the in the U.S. and they want to uh, you know, increase that amount. I think um, quite a bit. So. Um, well, good because as soon as I get off the main highway here, you know, not not so bueno with reception. Oh, you know, but we'll you know we'll see what happens. That's interesting. But so skyfish, I mean, you guys, that's, you're not just a, the the tower one trick pony, right? You guys can do other stuff too, or what? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Um, we uh, any any infrastructure, uh, we're moving into a couple of of other different markets. Um, power uh, market is, is one. Um, you know, hydroelectric, anything that uh, you might want to inspect as hard to get to wind turbines. All of the software is very similar uh, for inspecting, modeling. Uh, even if you're not modeling, just being able to fly autonomously in complex environment and collect the data that you want to collect. Uh, you know, we're we're the we're the we specialize in that. Um, but How about you know, even be uh, any problem that you have um, that you're trying to solve, you're going to want to talk to somebody that builds their own onboard electronics, their own software, onboard on software, their ground control. We just have a new controller that's based on the Panasonic Toughbook. Um, we're one of the few U.S. companies that actually has their own built-in-house um, controller. So, uh, yeah, we can really focus on any problem if, if, if there's uh, actually a market for it. So, um, you know, we can think of ourselves as kind of just a aerial robotic company. Matter of fact, we've actually filed patents on um, automated battery charging system. I think power is an issue with, you know, a major issue with drones. How long can you fly? And when your battery runs out, what can you do? It, do you know, what can you do about it? And this whole beyond uh, line of it, uh, beyond uh, visual line of sight, is 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 partly a, a power issue. You got to solve that first before you mm-hmm. um, move all the other cool things that you want to do with it, like delivery and persistent surveillance and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, so we're, we're really well, can, um, we really make sure that there's a, a market there, but we we have all the tools really to take on any problem. Yeah, like, you know, maybe cracks and damn spillways and stuff. No, I'm kidding. I just, I like to uh, rub salt in the wound out here with Orville Dam. But, because uh, that's, a, I mean, that's another, you know, regulatory thing. I mean, they're, they're you know, these federal FERC people are supposed to come out and you got to inspect the dam every, you know, I think it's two years or whatever and have the report on file, just like you were talking about with your logbooks team. And if something comes up, you got to, you know, you know, if you got to evacuate 180,000 people, they want to know why, where you drop the ball, because uh, they're going to get sued. But, uh, you know, that's interesting too. So, you know, you touched on beyond visual line of sight too. And, you know, I, I've been saying for years, you know, beyond visual line of sight is um, possible today in the United States. And some of these things that you're doing, um, I wouldn't call where you're doing them and whatever else, even navigable airspace. You know, if you get a, a, a you know, plane flying below Boulder Dam or something in, in the canyon, is that really navigable airspace? Under a bridge, is that navigable airspace? Um you know, things like that. And then I think is, is if common sense does prevail, systems like these are going to be doing uh, more of that infrastructure, um, let's say monitoring. I, I, I watched here in, uh, you know, in, in uh, Sacramento, and we have this old uh, bridge, the tower bridge, and, and uh, you know, it lifts up. And I, I, I could watch them one time. They were doing the inspection. There's probably 25 people down on the riverbank 
and, you know, they're 50 feet away from, you know, the nearest moving part of the bridge. I, I just don't even see how that's a, a valid inspection. Um, so the drone, you know, with the software is going to give us, um, you know, a different view. And then also, you know, is, is there going to be aircraft flying in there? I don't know. But as we move forward, I'm, I'm sure we're going to uh, pick up a head of steam on that, and there'll be more and more of the drones uh, out there doing this work. And uh, you, you guys, I guess that could kind of segue into the next question, is what does the future hold for Skyfish? You know, yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on it, that there's several other verticals in the infrastructure market we can move on to. Uh, I think we are interested in, you know, uh, if, if we can uh, solve this, and I think we can, um, the power issue with, with long flight and battery changing systems, uh, we are we are interested in that space. I think it's, uh, you know, I, I was talking to people, and, and they're very interested in, of all things, uh, food delivery. I mean, uh, we're not working on that problem right now, and it kind of seems like uh, really far out there that you would get, you know, a, a pizza or a hot dog or something from a drone. But, you know, I, I think it's going to probably happen at some point. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had inquiries on, on stuff like that. We're not, like I said, working on it. But, um, you know, currently uh, we are working on that. Power issue um, and the automated battery uh, changing system, but I think it's going to be uh, pretty interesting um, once you know there's more and more companies coming up with uh, solutions in this space or wanting to leverage those solutions. Uh, I think you're going to have to turn to uh, a company like us that has the full stack and has been working in the space for quite some time because nobody wants a Chinese drone delivering your hot dog, right? So. Well, I'd rather have them delivering but, uh, a hot dog than, uh, you know, maybe uh, doing, then you're you critical know, structure. critical, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, even that, it's like, you know, people, oh, you know, okay. yeah, there's, there's certain things, hey, man, you know, uh, that's fine, you you wanted these uses or whatever else. Critical infrastructure, I'm a, I'm a little bit more... Uh, personally, I want to I want to play the cl- cards a little closer to the vest, and I think that it's in the best interest of any country where they are, wherever they are, to do that. Or you know, um, you probably we get you know, interesting thing is we've had com- um, countries come to us like here's a good example. Um, uh, well, I don't know if I should. Well, oh, it's fine. Well, basically, Vietnam came to us and said they want to do some power analysis. I was like, why don't you use Chinese drones for it? And they're like, no, we don't want to use Chinese drones. And I'm like, really? So they came to us, um, and, and we, not, we ended up not doing business um, just because there wasn't the right use case there. But it, it was really interesting that um, you know other countries are, are reaching out for American-made solutions because they don't want to use Chinese drones um, for their critical infrastructure. So that's uh, I think that's part of the future, too, is servicing other um, you know, other parts of the world with American-made drones. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. There's there's a whole mess down there in the South China Sea, and we could do a whole podcast on that if we were in a different genre. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I think, you know, certain people or, you know, different uh, countries say, hey, you know, I need a solution that I know is going to do X for what we don't want to share. Or maybe it's, you know, Major League Sports or, you know, NASCAR or whoever, you know, we don't want to share, we, we, we don't want to run the risk of sharing the secret sauce. You know, fair enough. 
you know, I, I, I get it, you know, right. cool, whatever. So um, that, and I think there's, uh, you know, when we move away from the pickup truck analogy and then, you know, it's like, uh, I guess you could, you know, uh, broom the ice for ice hockey with a pickup truck, but people prefer the Zamboni. And uh, so, you know, that's <laughs> how we got to look at things. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. you're absolutely right to look at, you know, we haven't really mentioned cost, but you know, part of it is American made it's a little bit more, but if you look at all the equipment that we have on it, it's not really that um, expensive when you think about the processes we are um, replacing, just sending up a climber, if it's not necessary, what's the cost on that, the insurance and the risk, right? And uh, so you look at these missions that we're doing, um, you know, the drone cost is really minuscule compared to the data that you're collecting. And I think that's, that's, I think that's extremely important because a lot of times, um, you know, people come to us and, and they say, wow, that's, that's kind of, they get in their mind that the thousand dollar Chinese drone um, can do anything and, and everything else should be that price. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's not the case, right? So. Well, it's like, I, you know, I want my, uh, you know, Mercedes for 10,000 bucks, you know, I mean, all those cars say, you know, that, that, that's not really even a good, uh, I, that's not even a, a real world thing. Um, but I, I do think, you know, there are statistics and, you know, we're going to run out of time, but, you know, people don't understand, uh, let's say the insurance burden, uh, for the climbers, like even in this case, you're talking about where someone falls. I don't want to get into details, but very expensive. Someone does get hurt. Um, uh, there's all the statistics on that insurance is great on statistics, uh, keeping statistics on these costs and whatever else. And you're right. You know, even, uh, you know, we didn't get into price points, but even, you know, um, if, if, you know, two people don't fall besides just even the monetary thing, you know, you're not, uh, someone does you're not, you know, someone's not getting hurt or, or becoming disabled or in pain for the rest of their life or whatever. It's really a low, um, cost solution to, to help alleviate that. So I think as we go forward and it's other infrastructure and other jobs, um, you know, oil and gas and the rest of those people, very risk averse, um, very dangerous work. And if, if you can send the uh, robot out there, Hey, you know, we're, we're, it's great. So, you know, there were a few other things I didn't really talk about and we uh, got into where we're almost as a two minute warning. Are you, are you guys doing a – well, let's do this just in case we run long. Could you give us the website where people can go and, uh, you know, get more information and, and see what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's skyfish.ai, uh, just like it sounds, S-K-Y-F-I-S-H dot A-I as in artificial intelligence. And, uh, yeah, come come visit us. Um, got a, a brand-new website up. Um, just in the last uh, week, and it's it, we've got a lot of, of hits. It's been quite amazing. We've we've done little marketing up to um, this point, focusing on uh, you know our, our verticals and, and meeting our customer requirements. But we decided to do just a teeny little bit, kind of floodgates were opened. And uh, one of the things we didn't get into is is government customers. You know, yes. where we, we we do have some. Um, we'd like to expand in that market and, you know, obviously supporting um, U.S. companies. I, I think the key thing is that we can customize based on, on uh, government's needs. So, um, yeah, we're moving in that direction. It's one of our future directions. 
Yeah, because, you know, that was one other news thing that did come out, uh, you know, executive order or whatever, you know. I, and I wanted to talk about that, and I wanted to talk about government work. But it always happens that we run right through the 45 minutes like, uh, you know, I don't know. It always happens. Always but, happens, uh, yep. And uh, interesting conversation. I hope to get out there to Missoula and see this thing for myself, take a selfie or two. Um, you know, yeah. I'm excited <laughs> to, to see what you guys are working on. Like I said, We've we've been uh, doing stuff for a long time together, so uh, you know keeping my on it, eye on it, and I'm glad you guys are uh, telling them you know re. I guess I don't know what I would say on that. Hey, we're here, and uh, some lights getting shined on you, and I hope that this podcast helps with that too. And uh, that's yeah, about really all we appreciate have. It. Yeah, well, Thanks hey man, anything we can do, but that's about it. So everyone, till next time, uh, you know, keep it in the air, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Patrick.